Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Albany Law School podcast. I'm Ben Myers, Assistant Director for Communications and Marketing here at Albany Law School. Today on the show, we are speaking with Mishka Woodley from the class of 2016. She's an associate at Farrell and Fritz. She's also the program chair of the NYSBA's Diversity and Eliminating Racial and Systematic Bias in the Courtroom webinar, which is occurring on October 15th. And she's a member of the NYSBA's COVID-19 Health Law Section Task Force Health Law Section CLE on ethical issues and legal reform in the new COVID-19 healthcare environment, which is on October 23rd. If you're interested in either of those events, check out the description for links to sign up information for them. Before we get to Mishka, though, as always, check out albanylaw.edu slash coronavirus to make sure you have the latest information about the fall semester here at Albany Law School. And also follow us on social media. You can keep up on all the different podcasts and all the things we have going on here at the law school. If you do want to hear any previous episodes of the podcast, check it out on all of the major podcast services or on our SoundCloud account. Enough from me. Let's talk to Mishka. And we're back here on the podcast with Mishka. And Mishka, if you just take a second and introduce yourself to everybody listening to the podcast today. Good afternoon, Ben. Thank you again for having me. I'm so glad that we were able to finally record on what is baby... Now our third attempt to, uh, <laughs> due to acts of God, <laughs> like power outages and network outages over the last couple of weeks. My name is Mishka Woodley, and I am a regulatory and government affairs attorney at Farrell Fritz here in Albany, New York. For fun, and I guess most relevant to this conversation is that I'm also on the House of Delegates and Health Law Section member for the New York State Bar Association. Since the pandemic began, I've been contributing to a few COVID-19 and racial justice reform task forces with the bar. And my other role here in Albany is co-chairing the Albany County Bar Association's Diversity Internship Program, and I sit on the board of directors with them there. Absolutely. We definitely want to get to all that stuff. Before we get to it, though, you did mention Farrell Fritz. Just what do you do there? What is your position? What are your responsibilities? My role with the firm is somewhat unique uh, because I hold a blended position. So our practice group in Albany is a regulatory and government affairs team primarily focused on nonprofits, healthcare, and human services. However, our work is fairly eclectic in nature because as many of you know, healthcare is heavily regulated and uh, somewhat complex in nature. And so, especially in light of COVID, we work very closely with our colleagues in New York City and Long Island to work in other practice areas as well. So I often get the question, what's a government affairs attorney? The simple answer is I'm a lobbyist. (laughs) So in addition to the traditional legal work and memo writing and contract drafting that most people are familiar with when it comes to healthcare and health law and regulatory work, part of my role is monitoring and reporting on legislative, executive, and regulatory updates every day as our team works collaboratively to advocate for and negotiate specific policies and contractual outcomes for our clients. And you were mentioning healthcare there, and of course, one of the big things happening right now in the U.S. as we record in mid-October of 2020 is COVID-19, unfortunately, still around, still affecting everyday life here. How has that pandemic influenced your practice? It has influenced our practice in a number of ways. In addition to keeping us very busy, our clients are very broad and diverse. And so we represent everything from healthcare provider associations and health centers 
do pharmaceutical companies specializing in rare disease and not-for-profits. We have some organizations focused on sexual assault and mental health. And so as you can imagine, there's just a wide array of issues that have arisen over the past several months. I think in terms of challenges, our primary challenges are the inability to really meet with individuals and, and professionals in person. During this past several months, we typically would be up on the Hill uh, at the Capitol, meeting with different members or meeting with government agencies on behalf of our clients, but we've been unable to do so. But thanks to technology, we still have been able to maintain those relationships and, and communicate. I think the other issue is all client operations and issues now must be assessed through the lens of COVID. Funding is a significant issue, uh, just financial stability across the board. And so we've had to be really creative about how to support our clients, both for their very specific, unique issues that existed prior to COVID, as well as how to help them moving forward uh, as we try to navigate the pandemic. One example, actually, is we had the opportunity to work very closely with the Port Authority, and we used our government affairs team and our corporate team and our regulatory team to try to convert a spa that's at an airport into a COVID-19 test center. And so that's a very specific example of how not only you can be creative during this time in terms of how we can look ahead to the future, provide services, but also meet the needs of today. One of those needs that you're meeting actually is not COVID-related. I mean, tangentially COVID-related, I guess. You've spent a number of years working with the New York State Bar Association, including some webinars that we're going to talk about in just a couple of minutes. But before we get there, what has your work been like with NISBA over the years? I really appreciated my work with NISBA. As a first-year law student, I joined several bar associations, the Albany County Bar Association, Capital District Women's Bar, and also the New York State Bar. I was a non-traditional student, and so the bar associations really provided the opportunity to uh, develop relationships with people within the community and work on some meaningful projects outside of class. Um, so I was a health law section member early on during law school, and Upon graduation, joined their executive committee and chaired membership, been on their diversity and inclusion committee. And as mentioned, I'm um, a member of the House of Delegates right now and sit on a few task forces related to racial injustice, as well as COVID-19 related issues. How did Albany Law set you up for success in that career in this in these experiences? Because you mentioned that you were part of the Bar Association while you were a law student. How did Albany Law set you up for success? Absolutely. So, you know, the law school is comprised of really great professors and faculty and a wide array of courses based on your interest areas, which I believe most people speak of when they talk about their respective law schools. So I think I'll highlight the fact that they really have numerous internships, whether in the private sector or in the government through field placements and other opportunities that really give individuals the opportunity to get professional experience in the workplace during law school and really get a sense of what type of work they really want to do and or maybe they don't particularly want to do after having that experience. I had the opportunity to work in different facets of government, in-house, 
and other environments. And honestly, my supervisors were all exceptional. And so I've even maintained relationships with the majority of them to this day. So I can't speak any more highly of not only just the school, but the alumni and, and the resources available when it comes to internship experiences. All right, let's get to the meat of the matter here. Let's talk about these webinars that you have coming up. I know there's two of them in particular. Can you give us an overview of them to start? So this particular webinar is on diversity and eliminating racial and systemic bias in the courtroom. And this is being co-sponsored by the Albany County Bar Association, the Trial Lawyers Academy, Capital District Women's Bar, and a number of sections uh, within the Bar Association, including the Health Law section. And this particular event is really important because as we think about social justice and just justice within our communities, there is just this unintentional or intentional sometimes implicit racial bias that exists that really does infiltrate everything that happens within the justice system. And so we have a great team of panelists throughout New York State, and a couple of them are Albany Law alum, who really want to flesh out both the history of implicit bias in our society, and really talk about how it's playing out today in our courtrooms, and what we can do to address this particular issue so that people can not only feel that they have a just system in which they can address their issues, but that we are actually acting um, in a just fashion as we execute those decisions. So the second one is justice in a whole other fashion and from the healthcare perspective. As you know, and we all are experiencing um, some sort of impact from COVID-19, and this particular one is really dear to me since I'm part of the health law section, uh, we spent uh, a couple of months earlier in the year working as a task force to develop a report on the impact of COVID-19 on our community and how to address some of those issues in real time as it was happening. And one of the major issues that surfaced close to the time that we completed that report was the impact on vulnerable populations. And so this next webinar is on October 23rd, and we have a panel of individuals that are really going to talk about disparities in healthcare, about the impact of scarcity and medical futility in our healthcare system when it comes to resources, the different immunities that exist. And this is really important because I think as we look forward and navigate this particular pandemic experience, that we have some lessons learned and we start creating mechanisms and strategies to address whatever challenges we face in the future. But then also we ensure that as we continue to navigate this experience, that we are doing everything that we can to remedy any issues that exist right now. I have to say that one of the panelists who I had the pleasure of speaking to as we were developing our panel is someone who was an attorney during the day and a nurse treating COVID patients at night and on weekends. And it really speaks to how significant an experience this has been for so many people and how life-changing it has been and how much we can learn from our fellow colleagues. 
and I was circling back around to the first Sealy that we were talking about here, and I was reading in the description that Batson versus Kentucky is going to be part of that discussion, and we have a lot of people here who are very well versed in the law and follow it very deeply and the history of it, but we also have some newer people to the law and newer people to the law school. Could you just take a second to walk us through Batson versus Kentucky and why it's so important for a CLE like this first one? Just a very brief summary about the underlying issue is that Batson is a 1986 federal case which addresses the Sixth Amendment right to an impartial jury and the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. And so the underlying issue is whether you can use a particular type of challenge to remove a potential juror from the jury pool based on race, which violates the Equal Protection Clause, and and whether it is a violation under those circumstances. Although based on the case, what you'll find is, I don't think it's a surprise that the answer is yes, our panelists really plan to delve a little deeper and discuss that not only is discrimination of this nature not permitted, but how implicit bias exists beyond race in different categories, whether it can be gender or disability or something of that nature in the courtroom when it comes to jury selection. And then taking it a little bit deeper, how implicit bias can surface in a way where it is so subtle that you get the same discriminatory outcome However, the premise upon which the removal of a particular juror is based does not appear to be discriminatory on its face. And so we really hope to not only just talk about the case and address the legal issues there, but really take it one step deeper and really apply to our everyday lives in terms of how is this playing out in real life and really are we acting in accordance with the law as it was truly intended or is implicit bias really unfortunately um, subtly undermining this decision? Why are CLE programs like this something that we really need? How important are these CLE programs to continue to have for young lawyers, for seasoned lawyers? One thing that is missing in our society is an open dialogue, which um, addresses a number of the challenges that we've been facing for an extended period of time related to social and racial inequities and injustices which have an impact not just on those communities themselves, on our society as a whole. Those challenges that we face, they really impact all of us. And I think that over the last several months, something really positive that has transpired is a desire for information sharing and learning and open dialogue, which I hope will continue. Furthermore, I think there are a lot of organizations establishing whether it's committees or task forces or things of that nature to bring diverse individuals together to have that dialogue on a number of different issues. As you can see, one of these panels is related to the courtroom. Another one is related to healthcare and healthcare services and coverage and access. I was on a panel just a week ago speaking to law students about lack of diversity within private practice and corporations. I hope that these CLEs continue and I think they're so important as we try to learn from some of the lessons gained over the past several months 
and some of the insight that we've gained and that we could become just a stronger and more connected society going forward. And I think that these CLEs really open the door for conversations that maybe we weren't having, you know, two, five or even 10 years ago. All right. It's time to turn the corner to the lightning round. Are you ready for the lightning round? Sure. (laughs) Let's go at it. All right. Would you share one of your most memorable moments at Albany Law School? I definitely had some experiences that were more academic. We went to the United Nations. We went to the Supreme Court. But one that really stuck in my mind was um, they do like a trick-or-treat street with children for Halloween. And so I was on the executive board for one of the school's organizations and we did a pin the tail game with children for Halloween. And honestly, I think that that was one of my best experiences during law school in terms of something on the more fun side. It was amazing having the community come into the law school, be in that environment with them. The number of students, faculty, and just children was extraordinary. We ran out of candy so quickly. In such a serious environment, it was really great to connect with the community and do something really fun. And then just remind yourself, you know, why we do what we do. You know, we're attorneys and we're public servants. And, you know, it's so great to be able to connect with the community in that way. If you could go back in time and talk to preschool or pre-law school Mishka, what would you say? It's funny to answer this question because, as I said, I co-chair a diversity internship program, so I work very closely with students. There's even one in particular that I often say that any advice that I give is either based on something I've done well, something that I did not do as as great on or uh, advice given by a mentor that I really valued. As I think of law school, I think there are a few things. The three that I might say are one, to really stay true to your identity and who you are. We're all very different with different backgrounds, different skill sets. So I really feel as though you should really stay focused on that identity. What makes us different also makes us so unique and so invaluable. And so as you navigate law school, definitely take advantage of the opportunities that are presented, but never feel like you have to compromise who you are in order to achieve whatever your professional goal is. I think the second is to learn how to say no. At times, there's so many different opportunities. So Say no to some things and prioritize the things that will either benefit you either professionally or personally or spiritually. Really assess those things when you're making those decisions and also just live in the moment. I think that's number three. It all passes so quickly and there are great relationships to be had and experiences to really cherish. And so there's so much going on that it can just pass right by. So take advantage of it and try to enjoy the experience as much as you can. How have you weathered the pandemic? It's been tough on everybody. You're obviously doing all these CLE programs, but how have you made it through all this craziness? This period has been an interesting period for me. I have loved ones in different states who are on the front lines in some capacity and working really closely with patients. So that's always at the forefront of my mind. I feel like this has been an opportunity to take a step back and really organize life to a certain degree and really identify and focus on my priorities, whether professionally or academically or you know, physically or spiritually or, or whatever the case may be. 
Uh, so many things have been revealed over the past several months, just in regards to our society and in regards to our lives as individuals. And so I'm really taking this time to prepare for what's next. And um, I really feel as though we can be better at the other side of this journey. And I um, am trying to take advantage of this time to prepare for that. The last one here, it's one we always ask at the end of the podcast. Is there anything that you'd like to just tell the law school community out there? So I feel as though over the past several months, between the COVID-19 pandemic and certain events associated with the current civil rights movement, significant weaknesses in our societal framework have been revealed. And those weaknesses relate to healthcare and diversity, socioeconomic disparities and access to resources. And those resources range from everything from housing and food to technology. And so I really feel that as legal professionals and students, we have this unwavering duty and a unique opportunity to seek equality and equity in every single aspect of life and to really influence the character and the culture of our society. And it starts in our homes, it starts in our workplaces, our communities, and it extends far beyond. And these efforts really have the ability to change lives, just change the social experience as a whole. You know, I personally challenge each person listening and I have begun to challenge myself every day to identify ways to be more impactful within my professional life, in my practice area, in my community involvement, in my professional and personal relationships. As a legal community, I feel like we are uniquely positioned with the power and the influence and the resources to really embrace the lessons that we've learned in 2020 to take really what is not just a small but a really giant leap toward liberty and justice for all as we strive toward a better tomorrow. I feel as though community, mentorship, and relationship building amongst all of us is critical in order to move forward successfully. I really appreciate the time that I have spent with you today, Ben, and the opportunity to talk about my background and Albany Law School, um, my experiences to date with the Bar Associations, and really my hope and my vision for not just our legal community, but for society as a whole. Past several months has been a really bittersweet experience, yet I really find hope in the sweet aspect of this experience, knowing that we really do have a great opportunity to be a greater society than we were just 12 months ago. God bless everyone. Mishka, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We truly appreciate it. We really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. It's such a pleasure being with you today.